Master Bowman podcast. If you're obsessed with the strategies, gear, and stories that will make you a better backcountry bow hunter, you're in the right place. We're independent, unsponsored, and unbiased, so we can cut the fluff and give you detailed advice on what really works and what doesn't. In this episode, we have Nate and Tom back on from Identical Draw. We talk about new hunters they took out this last spring, lessons learned about mentorship along the way, their plans for this upcoming fall, and also a brand new website they launched, newhunter.org, which helps match new hunters and mentors. Stay tuned. All right, Nate and Tom, welcome back to the uh, Baxter Bowman podcast. It's good to have you. Thanks Thanks for having us back. Yeah. Yeah, it's been been a little over six months since we last had you on the show. And it was around a year ago when I first heard of you guys around, when I first applied for that uh, new hunter program you guys put on last year. And that was the first time you did this, right? Yep. First year. Yeah. And and real quick for people who are not familiar with identical draw, Nate and Tom are two twin brothers. That's where the word identical comes from. And then where does draw come from? Is that for archery? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Got it. Okay. So really into bow hunting, obviously. And then what'd you guys do last year? How, how did we meet? Um, well, we just did the, uh, new hunter hunts. Basically we, um, had all of our, the partners that we work with and on our own page, we just basically, um, offered a bunch of hunts that we would, uh, take new hunters on. And, uh, Josh, uh, we picked you for one <laughs> so we went on a, a public land Nebraska mule deer hunt, which was legendary. So Josh got like the best hunt out of the deal. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's because yeah. I'm, I'm super lucky and it had nothing to do with me being Asian. <laughs> and you, uh, you just made a cameo in a magazine, right? Josh, isn't that, isn't how that all worked out? Oh yeah. That was from that trip. Uh, so if you got the latest episode of uh, mule deer foundation, is it? Yep. It's yeah. The- their latest mag. Yeah. Yeah. Their latest magazine. If you look real close, you'll see me in one of the pictures, uh, with Tom, right? No, that no. was actually Nate. Oh, that was yeah. Nate. Tom took the pick. That, that you were with me. I Dang. think it's like page. You have the Mueller Foundation magazine. I'm pretty sure it's like page like 32 or 33 in there. Nice. We, we confused a lot of people, Josh, because you and I hunted together that whole week. But then I took photos for that little session with uh, you and Nate. So it was like all tripped up who I was hunting with. <laughs> Yeah, I bet that never happens with you guys anyway. Yeah. People yeah. probably can't even tell which one's Nate and which one's Tom who's talking into the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that was really cool. And that was the first time that you guys uh, took out new hunters. You went for whitetail, you went for mule deer, you did an antelope hunt as well, and uh, brought out, what, a dozen new hunters for yep. their first hunts ever, which is really cool. Um, and that really blew me away for people... Like it just from the outside looking in, it just felt like you guys were sacrificing your entire season just to take a bunch of new hunters who you never met before, um, out into the field. And I was, yeah, we got along super well, became friends ever since. And, um, you can listen to our previous episode with them where we t- recap the entire Nebraska, uh, mule deer hunt, the lessons I learned being my first with, uh, with it being my first bow hunting trip and, um, all the lessons there. But today we want to talk about a, a another season of hunting that you guys took new hunters out on amongst other things, but you, this last spring, you took some new hunters out for their first Turkey hunts, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it was a, it was a success. A success. We, uh, we kind of went into the, the spring, like, like expecting a little bit better success than we did with big game, just because it's Turkey hunting. 
Um, and it comes a little easier. Um, and we ended up like shooting birds on both trips. Um, we had a trip late April, um, up at our uh, ground in uh, Northern Nebraska, just birds everywhere. Um, and then we also had a trip early May, uh, which is more, more difficult. We hunted a new spot. We've never hunted is the black Hills of South Dakota, um, chasing Miriam. So um, Nate, do you want to kind of dive into details there? Yeah, I'll, I'll explain the uh, Nebraska hunt. You explain, you explain South Dakota. How does that work? Um, yeah. so yeah, the Nebraska ground, it's not our personal property, but it is, uh, it's permission that we've hunted. It was the first place we grew up hunting, um, for pheasants and stuff with, with dad and uncles and our grandpa and stuff. Um, so we've been, we know the ground super well and there is just chock full of turkeys. I mean, like really it is just chock full of turkeys. So I was actually the new hunters we had on that trip. We had, um, so one of the guys that, uh, one of the new hunters that was on our antelope hunt last fall, his daughter has been wanting to get in the hunting. So we took, he drove out to us with his daughter. And so she was going to be one of the new hunters. And this was, um, technically this was a youth hunt. So they were both like 15, I believe. Um, yeah. so that was faith. And then it was also, so my wife, Michaela, um, it was her cousin, um, Andrew, who was the other new hunter. So that morning, um, Saturday, I think it was late mid to late April. Um, I was hunting, yeah, I was hunting with Andrew and then, um, his dad, Jeff, and we were hunting this crop field that just got tilled. And man, if you have, if you hunt like a, a tilled field, like very recently tilled, um, for turkeys, man, they just love to be in there messing around in the dirt and stuff looking for bugs. Um, but I also knew it was close to the roosting spot. So, um, yeah, we, we just snuck in there in the dark and I worked the calls and called in three gobblers into the field and like 10 hens. One of them just like came right into the decoys, basically strutting. And he, he shot it, um, like 15 yards. And then I did the classic mentor, hand me the gun. <laughs> and, uh, he, uh, he handed me the gun and I, I shot my only turkey of the season there. Um, but no, it was super funny. It was one of those hunts where, um, afterward I had to like, kind of explain that this isn't usually how it goes. <laughs> like it was that good that I had to like, be like, okay, back up a second. Like usually this doesn't happen. Um, Josh, we didn't have to do that for you in the Nebraska hunt. Cause it was, it was, it was a tough hunt and like, we weren't, we didn't have success right away. Um, or at all, but like on this hunt, it was definitely one of those where we like had to all right. So usually they don't come in that easy and usually blah, blah, blah. But no, it was an amazing hunt. It killed his first ever animal. Um, first ever turkey. And yeah, it was great. Wow. That's awesome. And wait, yeah. so after you shot the first one, you were like, hand me the gun. And then you got yeah. the gun and had enough time to shoot yeah. a second one. Yep. So basically if you do it fast with turkeys, sometimes they're just like, they're just like dumb enough where they'll hang around for a second. So yeah, Andrew, he, he shot the bird first bird at like 20 yards. And I didn't even know there were more toms in the field, but after he shot, they gobbled and I like looked around a tree and they were out there at like 45 yards. And, uh, so he handed me, I was like, Hey, you have another one like loaded. He's like, yeah. So I was like, hand me the gun. Cause I had to tag and it was, it was adult season then. So he just handed it to me fast. And before they were like running off, they were like starting to putt and get nervous and walk out. I just like leaned over and dropped them. So wow. we, yeah, we did the classic double dang on his first hunt. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it was, it was just, 
I was so happy to have that like come together because man, those turkeys there, it's amazing when you get them gobbling at you and just like coming in on a rope. But yeah, it was, it was a uh, super fun. And then, uh, Tom, before we go on to your hunt, um, so what did Andrew think? Like, what was his expectations going in? How was it like working with him through the hunting and then how was his reaction after? Yeah, I think, honestly, I think it was one of those things where it was like, wow, like that almost happened too fast. Like, I think, I think he wanted more of like, I, I, I do think he wanted more of like a, I don't know, just longer experience of a hunt because I mean, he got there the, like the night before no hunt that night. He just got there in the dark and then we slipped in there in the dark. And then within 30 minutes of that morning, his hunt was over basically. Wow. But I do think he just like, um, like just start off. Like he's not one for words. So like, he wasn't like, he was like, he, I mean, he's a quiet kid. Um, but like when I did talk to him, like he, he was very excited. I could tell. And I, I asked him in an interview, this is also, this is on a uh, YouTube video on our identical draw YouTube. You can go watch it. But um, I asked him like, Hey, is this like, is this something you would dabble in more? He's like, Oh yeah, like for sure. <laughs> so just seeing that was like really awesome. And I know I've, I've stayed in touch with them since they're part, uh, part of like the extended family of my wife's and, um, they actually, they went out, him and his dad later in the season went out just in public land because he bought another tag later on and, um, they tried their hand at it a little bit, didn't have any more success, but it was good to see after that first time, he still had those, those feelings to go out there, try it on public and stuff like that. So yeah, no, it seemed like he was really excited. I, I showed him how to clean everything, you know, um, dress the bird out and all that. And he was, he's super hands-on. Some people kind of want to try to get out of that, but, um, he was all about it. So Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. It's always a question like after you take someone for their first hunt, whether or not they're going to, whether or not that drive is born in them and if they'll be able to go and do it right. on their own. So that's cool to hear. Yeah. Um, yeah. But how about you, Tom? How, how'd the taking out the new hunter go for you? Yeah. <clears throat> so I was with, um, Tom sent his daughter fate. Um, like we, we always go back to it. Like people who like just know their weapon, like through and through, like you with archery, Josh, like you're going to have more success than the dude who shoots your bow a lot less. Um, Faith, like Tom did a great job getting her out every once in a while, shooting the gun, but she still like, wasn't super comfortable around a firearm. Um, so I kind of knew like going into the weekend, like we we're going to need the perfect situation, like bird at 12 yards, like no idea we're there. So we had a couple encounters. Um, uh, we actually, I hunted Friday. I was able to hunt Friday evening with them they drove all the way from their hometown in Chicago. So eight hours for Turkey, that was pretty good. Um, but we had a couple close calls Friday night, had some birds, like they got the gobble right away, like 30 minutes sitting in the blind. Like we had a bird hammering behind us, never saw it. Um, uh, Saturday morning, um, I think was a little slow. We had some midday action, um, birds gobbling around Saturday evening was our good hunt. We had, um, uh, nice Merriam's come right, right in behind us. Um, but, uh, he didn't like come out into the decoys. Um, he was at like a hard right angle. So faith wasn't really comfortable, like swinging her body to shoot this bird. Um, 20 minutes later, we had a group of four Jake's come in and then it was just kind of like too much. Like they, they were going to come beat up the decoy. They saw some movement. Um, like, like for a 15 year old, like that, the shotgun's a bit heavy for, um, like to hold up for more than, I don't know, five, 10 seconds. So, um, that like, we couldn't 
she couldn't just like hold that gun up like as they were coming out. So um, I think maybe the movement of my lens or her gun, they, they saw something and just, she, she tried a shot, shot right over their head. Um, so missing was difficult. Um, of course you want to kill everything you shoot at, but um, I could tell like when the weekend was over, we hunted hard still Sunday. And um, I mean, it seemed like they, they had an awesome Turkey experience. Like basically they were able to experience everything uh, besides like taking home a bird. The nice thing was since Nate shot one, um, I was able to like completely show them the field dressing of that bird. So they still got the whole rundown there, um, breasted out, keep the legs, all that sort of thing. So, I mean, besides the kill, they, they got to experience everything else. So, I mean, it was a definitely a successful weekend. Wow. 15 years old to go out on our first hunt. That's, that's really awesome to get to experience that at that age. How did you yeah. uh, work through some of the emotional ups and downs with her like you know one morning hunt get close and then you don't get it. another one four jigs come in you don't get it again like how was she doing throughout that and and how'd you work work yeah. with her and what advice would you have for mentors looking to take out the youth yeah it's it's just patience like when i i would probably treat myself differently um than i like i do like uh a new hunter um but you just got to really slow down. Like a kill doesn't matter. Like all I like was trying to like repeat throughout the weekend was just like, we need you comfortable. Like do not, um, try to like pull something off. Like I explained, like, like basically Friday evening, I was like, you will spook birds this weekend. You might miss a bird. Like, like they, they have amazing vision. Like they'll see you like all these different things that'll happen. And I just reminded them like, there's so many, especially with turkey hunting, which is, I mean, we can talk about it more, but like, I like turkey hunting with new hunters, just like you get so many more chances than like, if like, like Dylan spooking a big old giant mule deer buck, like <laughs> you might never see that buck again, but you're going to see that you're going to see a Tom Turkey again, uh, maybe that same day, you know? So, um, I just try to like stay positive there. Um, you're not gonna, you're not gonna kill something when your head's down. Like, I don't know. I've experienced a lot of, a lot of failure before and, um, just keeping after it was just kind of what I was repeating. And it was interesting, like having Tom, like her dad there, um, my role, like, wasn't like it would be if it was just me and a new hunter, but mm -hmm. I was still just like trying to be supportive, basically keeping the camera like out of her sight, even, um, just like, I just wanted to be as natural behind as possible, but just explain that like, you're going to miss, that's just kind of part of hunting and you gotta get up and go out again. Yeah. How did she do after the miss? Cause I know like, even for me, if I miss a shot and I'm with a, a guide or I'm with, you know, anybody I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to, it's not going to feel good. You know, I'm going to be disappointed for sure. Frustrated. Maybe how, how was she doing, um, through that? And was there a lot of consoling after, or like, is that something yeah. she expected? Um, she, she was disappointed. There's consoling. Um, yeah, that evening was kind of like, it, it was kind of like the evening's over in a way, just because um it's tough like especially when you've like just traveled and everything put in a lot of time and money to a hunt like you want to just have success so we just like I, I told her like it's okay to be upset but we just need to and like frustrated even but come like sunday morning like let's get ready to get after it again um yeah overall like she bounced back really well
Yeah, that's good. Yeah, there's a lot of it's really interesting when you're taking out a new hunter or especially someone young about like what meaning they derive from a situation like a negative situation or something or like because mm-hmm. they can make a story in their head like oh I suck at this or oh this is not for me and that's you know not something you want them to leave with. Was there any of that like helping to shape the story of what this event means to her and like the future of whether she's going to get into hunting or like i'm just curious if there was any conversations with her her father and her there or like how that ended out definitely that that was like a fear that nate and i had like in the fall like oh man what if somebody makes a bad shot like how are we gonna like save the situation from like making them like come like never go hunting again um and it i don't know we just we're just trying to be as positive as possible with her um and i like i tried to make it um i tried to put like the heat on me almost like <laughs> if that makes sense like mm-hmm. like oh like faith like that i was totally like i spooked him like she saw like they saw the camera that made it a much more difficult shot um i just like i, I don't want her to definitely i don't want her to think at all like oh she screwed that up like i'm never gonna go hunting again i'm just gonna screw it up again right. i basically like throughout the rest of the night and even sunday i was just like like you, like you got this like you know like you've shot a shotgun you know like where to aim you barely missed that bird. Like they were moving all these different things that, mm-hmm. um, I kind of set on top of it. Like, and I think, I think she like definitely understood that. And, um, she definitely knows that there's like a lot going on during that time. Right. Wow. Yeah. Thanks for sharing all the details there. And I know these yeah. questions are, are tough, but like, I think this is some of the realness that comes with mentoring people and like the challenges and, and real life situations that happen. So I, thanks for digging into that. Um, but yeah, that, yeah. that that's, I really want to, uh, repeat what you said about like you mentioning you taking responsibility for what happened instead of like putting it all on her. And I think that's leadership. Yeah. And, uh, those are the qualities that we need in good mentors. So definitely want to commend you for that, Tom thanks josh yeah and, you know i had a real interesting question for you guys i, mean, I remember we were talking last uh, fall and i have a ton of respect for what you guys are doing because i think that's one of the most important things in hunting and i mean heck it's hard enough to mentor one crazy guy right josh but uh <laughs> so what i mean you guys are going for it and i don't want to do spoiler alert of what's coming but you've got some really cool projects and you're you're going all in on the mentorship thing uh, which is amazing but you know, what keeps you kind of coming back to that i know after a whole season of 11 folks it'd be pretty easy to say we're tired we're done but uh, you're doubling down. What uh, what about it is keeping you guys going? Mm. I'd say, um, so I'll go for yeah, it. I, at the end of the fall, Baxter, like after t- having taken out, like like we took out 11 official, like that we were calling like official, like new hunts, but we mm-hmm. probably had close to 20 like new hunters with us that fall, like in friends and family. And like, we, we basically like finished the season, like let's do it again. Like the motivation awesome. was there. Um, just like, I don't know. It's uh, we've said it before on different podcasts. Like it almost sounds cheesy, but like we do get the exact same feeling, if not better, like being with somebody new, uh, when they like find success, especially. And, um, I don't know, it's definitely enough to get us to basically blow this thing up. Um, Nate, do you want to add? Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like I can't help, but just think about possibly like, introducing somebody from a like a non-hunting family and then just like it it like just splintering off from them and just like the generations hopefully to follow that would will have hunting like in them that like wouldn't have beforehand 
And those are the things that really like excite me. I mean, I think about, man, we wouldn't, when we like with some of our plans that we'll talk about later, but basically when we uh, really dove into this whole mentorship thing this summer, I texted my dad. I was like, man, just like, thanks for getting us into hunting. Like I, I, if my grandpa was still alive on that side, I would, I'd go drive over to his house and thank him too, because, um, I don't know. It's, it's a gift and it's like changed my life so incredibly much like that. I just, I don't know. I, it's kind of like a thing I just have to do. And I, I absolutely love it. I mean, it's been amazing and we've had the, like the best friendships through, but I think that's the big, biggest thing. I mean, we make these hunts, like just hanging out with your friends and I mean, who doesn't want to do that? <laughs> I mean, and then, and then you get these people that are all jacked up about these experiences that they're having for the first time. And really wanting to have a better connection with their food. And I mean, that's, yeah, that's, I think that's the biggest motivation behind. I mean, getting messages that, Hey, like, like since you guys like took me out or something, I mean, I've, I've had success in this part. I've like been eating better and uh, I don't know. It just, it has such a big impact on people mm-hmm. that it just really keeps us motivated. Yeah. yeah. I'll say really quick. Like I wrote a, I wrote an article for vortex optics that you can like find on their website, but, uh, like my first paragraph was basically like, what if our, like, what if my grandpa like decided to not like pass on his hunting heritage to his kids and then my dad passing it on to us and me and my kids eventually, like you just it exp- exponentially like grows into like a bunch of, it'd be like a bunch of non-hunting families. What we're trying to do is just basically like replant that seed in these families. Cause almost like everybody's great, great grandparents hunted, you know, um, somewhere along the line, like hunting stopped um for a lot of people so we're just trying to replant that hunting gene if you will mm-hmm. yeah actually one you know one last question on this too we get um it's amazing i've had two or three emails in the past few weeks where guys are you know, so always anonymous emails and they say hey <laughs> you're giving away too much stuff there's enough people as it is it's crazy you know stop what you're doing you're one of a million guys doing this you know it's really crazy stuff but the gist of it is just they don't want more folks. Um, I think you had to think long and hard about that, but curious to hear like what your guys' thoughts are when you get that kind of yeah, pushback. Yeah. So I'm sure you get it too. That's that's a great question. And I mean, you guys, I'm sure you guys read that whole uh, Matt Ernella Mediator article about uh, like the case against R3. Um, I and, haven't read that one now. Okay, you should go, you should go find it. Um, <laughs> it was a controversial thing where Matt was saying that his spots are getting busier and busier and we don't need to be getting more people into hunting and stuff like that. And uh, mm. I, first of all, I just, man, when you, if you're a, if you're a hunter and you're seeing more people in the back country and stuff deep into the wilderness, um, those aren't new hunters. Like yeah. new hunters, like, that's the first thing I I just don't understand. People are like, are pointing their fingers at this R3 movement for like their spots getting busier. I'm like, ask everybody you see if they're a new hunter. I guarantee you they're not like if anybody's to blame, you need to point the fingers at me and Tom who are posting Nebraska public land mule deer videos on YouTube (laughs) because uh, that's the kind of stuff that people are seeing and realizing, Oh, I can do that. I can get a $300 tag over the counter, become good at yeah. bow hunting and literally go out there. Anybody can. So yeah, I, as far as that goes, I'm like, I feel like some of that, that tension and like dislike is, is pointed the wrong thing. I think just outdoor media as a whole, I mean, man, the hunting public is blo- has actually absolutely blown up. And I mean, yeah, 
they're hunting public ground and making it really like realistic for people. And I mean, it's an absolutely amazing thing they're doing, but it's also showing it's, it's making like the secret hunting holes, not secret. And people get frustrated by that and want to point at the people recruiting hunters. But man, I think in a hundred years, like none of us are going to be around. So in my, my view, I'm like, I want to just pass this on to as many people as possible because obviously the numbers are still going down. I think the numbers of like hardcore people of like really spending more time on backcountry hunts and like going further and like, like scouting more, I think that's on the rise. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously hunting numbers are still hurting. So I'm like, no, you're not ever going to convince me that what I'm doing is making it busier, making hunting worse because man, at the end of the day, Thomas and I, I feel like we could go on hunts the entire fall and not see people. Yep. So I just, I don't know. I, I, that argument, I'm like, I understand like some things are getting busier and like, yeah, we are getting more people in the hunting that are possibly going to go to these spots eventually and things like that. But it's, I guess it's not a worry for me that I, that I have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's really commendable, Nate, that <laughs> like what you just said of in a hundred years, we're not going to be here. And yet you're still contributing to a cause that extends beyond your own life. I think like not a lot of people think that way. And so like in terms of find, like, I, I think most people who are listening would agree that it's finding someone like you, like Tom, like Baxter is pretty rare. Like I'm pretty lucky in my life to have gotten to go hunting with you guys and have you be a part of my hunting journey and development. Are there other mentors like this out there? Are there, I, I, I mean, I know there's probably a lot of people who want mentors, but along the way, have you met other people who want to get into mentorship? Definitely. Um, and I'll just, I'll just hit the nail on the head right now. So Thomas and I, we launched the new hunter.org, which is a website where you can create an account, whether you're a new hunter or current hunter. Um, it's based, it's, it's pointed at new hunters, but you can create an account at newhunter.org and find mentors, hopefully in your state. We're trying to cover as many as possible. But when we've done this, we have been contacting mentors all across the U.S. I've talked to people from Hawaii, Alaska, West Virginia, Texas, all across the U.S. And there are, Josh, there are good mentors and like people that really like want to put their hunts like on the back burner and pass this thing down. And it's been really rewarding to see I'm jumping on the phone with every single mentor that we have on this new hunter work site to make sure one, they're legit Two, are actually a good mentor. Because what I tell people is you can be an incredible hunter and a really bad mentor. Like it's not, it's not the same thing. So like, but it, it has made me really happy because there are these people that are really good and, and dedicated to it. And what I've been surprised about is, when I've been talking to people to get like mentors on the site, they're already like, Oh yeah, I've been taking out people the last handful of years. I, I take at least one or two, three folks out every fall to get them into hunting. So I'm like, it's a thing that's been going on underneath the surface. And, um, I think is, yeah. So it's been really exciting to have people, um, that are like-minded. Awesome. Yeah. So it sounds like you're having a place where these mentors can go and find mentees and vice versa. Um, I want to, uh, pause for a second on that, on what you said earlier about a good hunter versus a good mentor. What, what would you, what do you think makes a good mentor versus a great mentor or like a great mentor versus a bad mentor? Like what what are the qualities? 
I, I think Thomas mentioned it earlier, which is like patience to the core. Um, at least when I'm taking out somebody, I'm thinking like all I care about is making this experience as good as possible for these folks. Like as comfortable as it can be, unless you're like the type of like, Hey, I want this hunt to be insane. Then I'll go to their level. But like, I really want it to be comfortable and fun because if you don't like have these like baseline, this baseline fun and enjoyment and not like knowledge, then they're not going to, they're not, it's not going to be a thing that they enjoy because like the whole success of hunting is such a small percentage of it. So you have to make everything else like super enjoyable, <laughs> but also like it, it does take the right person. It does take the right hunter um, to get into it. But I don't know what makes a good versus a great mentor. I think it's just that overall patience and putting your needs and stuff on the back burner and just giving them the, the mentee as much knowledge as possible, letting them make mistakes. Like, I don't know. I, I, I always say like, Hey, like when I take my wife out hunting, I like, I'm not going to tell her to be quiet like a million times. I'm not going to like keep her out in the cold way too long. Like, cause that's just going to make her hate the experience. And I kind of like, like keep some of those same, same things when I'm taking a mentee out. Yeah, Nate. So you said uh, a good experience overall. You want them like not just the success, but the whole experience to be good experience. Right. How about you, Tom? What What do you think makes a great mentor? Yeah, I was thinking about it. Um, I don't know. Like on our first couple like mentored hunts last fall, I remember just thinking like, "Oh man, like I need to know. I need to know my stuff really well. I need to not like only know." like what I'm doing out in the field, like just knowledge based, but I need to like be able to know it so well that I can explain it like seamlessly. Um, like just ba like so much knowledge, like basic gut, um, gutting, like how to like gutless versus gutting and, and just like so many different things that I might like Nate and I probably, probably don't even talk about like through the whole process, but like that a new hunter is going to want to know, um, why I'm cutting there, all this sort of thing. Um, I just remember being like thinking like oh i need to like really just know my skills um just like on the basic like logistic logistical like hunting side of things um yeah and i don't know just like i want every one of our mentors to just have emotion with it like um i don't know i i, I always like say that if i start killing animals and i just don't feel anything that like, I'm just going to quit hunting because I'm doing it for the wrong reason. Um, I want our, our, I want our mentors to be able to relate to a, a mentee when they've missed uh, an animal or wounded one. Um, I want them to have that, have those experiences before. So they know how it feels. Um, yeah, I think just being as connected to that mentee as possible is just going to make, um, them feel more comfortable with the mentor and just provide a better experience. And yeah, just providing i don't know what what you thought josh like we had a tough hunt didn't kill anything but i think you still had a good time and i think that's i think that's just what it's all about um a lot of mentors i, I think i said this on the last podcast but they try to get through the weekend when they should just be sitting down and investing in that mentee um just asking them about their life you know it, it almost like goes past hunting you know you're just trying to form friendships and they and i've literally talked to you every single um new hunter we've taken out both fall and spring like afterwards so yeah that's that's what i'll say yeah and if i can jump on my soapbox for a second just as a mentee um and maybe what i think makes a good mentor and you guys definitely exude that but i think 
if there was one thing that makes a great mentor, it's just that they care. And that is one thing you, Nate Baxter, like every second of the entire hunt before, after prepping, anytime we're talking about it, you can just tell that you genuinely care about the mentee. You don't have to learn all the skills or be an expert on every single topic, or maybe you're impatient a little bit sometimes, or you screw up or whatever. And of course, mentors, parents will always have that fear. But I think at the end of the day, if you care, people will remember. Um, There's that cheesy quote. They say like, people don't remember what you say, but they remember how you made them feel. And so from that experience, if they just felt like they were cared for, that makes a great mentor. Um, And you guys are just killing it in that regard. But uh, for newhunters.org, so people are listening right now and they're like, hey, I care about people. Like I've been hunting for many, many years. Like I want to experience this joy of teaching others. Like how do they apply to be a mentor? And uh, we touched on some of the things they're looking for, but are there any any other like boxes for them to check off before they apply? Um, no. So basically what, if, if, they're, if they're listening to this, you can either go to our, um, you can go to our Instagram if, if that's the easiest thing and just message us because I'll give you more details there. Or you can email mentor at identicaljaw.com and you will, that'll get sent to my computer, my phone. And um, I'm going to get on the phone and talk to you and basically see if it's a good fit. Um, Just talk to you about your hunting experience, things like that. And we'll see if it's right from there on. So um, yeah, most, I'd say most people reach out uh, on the newhunter.org. We just have a big contact page that we have a lot of just mentors who have checked out the website and want to want to keep going with it. So, yeah. Cool. And chances are there are probably more people looking for a mentor than wanting to be a mentor who are listening to this. So if they want to, if they're looking for a mentor and you're, uh, do they just go to the same contact form or? Yeah. Um, just go to new, newhunter.org and you can create a, a really fast little uh, membership, basically a little account and um fill out you have to fill out a waiver to be on there um and basically after that you can go to your state if nobody's at your state then contact somebody that's close by um we're really trying to fill all 50 states right but we're hoping by the end of july we'll be like right around 40-ish states at least um but yeah that's that's how you can contact every mentor um has on the website has you can see a picture of them they have a little bio and then they have contact spots gotcha hit them up there. Um, and if nobody's in your state, go to Nebraska and contact me and Tom, because we are doing more new hunter hunts this year. We're going to be doing a bunch of whitetail hunts per primarily staying around Nebraska, um, area. And we are doing some Western hunts. Haven't like unboxed those yet because we're working on them with uh, one of our partners. Um, but we're hoping to get some awesome tags and a really good unit out West for some new hunters. But yeah, if, if, if you're a new hunter, um, want to hunt with us, go and find us at Nebraska and, and email us there too. So I'll, I'll just add, it's a, it's a completely free platform. Like you create an account, but it's, it's a no charge to you. Um, we were kind of going back and forth on if we were going to just charge people just like a tiny, tiny, like $3 a month fee or something. Um, but we decided we're just going to, at least for this first year or two, we're going to run it as a free platform just because we want to see how well it works. And so far we've had a lot of mentors say that, um, new hunters are reaching out like quick. We had, we've even uplo- like uploaded some mentors and like within the hour they have a new hunter reaching out. And I would just say like, if you do, ha- if you are in a state that doesn't have a mentor and you're looking for one, like always just check that website because we're literally up 
updating it as soon as um, Nate gets off the phone with them and we are able to see them as a good mentor. We're uploading them to the site. So always go back and, and see if somebody's up there. Very cool. And uh, I'm going to put you guys on the spot for a second. How about someone like me? I, uh, I'm, I have my own hunt this fall. I'm taking some vacation time. I don't think I'll be able to commit to taking someone out, but I would love to talk to new hunters, maybe give in some way. I don't live in a state right now. I'm traveling the road. Is there a place like me to be a mentor on the uh, newmentor.org, newhunter.org program? Yeah, 100%. Every every mentor I talk to, I tell them like, hey, we know everybody has their own hunts. Everybody has their jobs. Like however much time you want to give to new hunters, whether you could take them on a hunt or not is totally up to you. So yeah, some people are like, okay, yeah, I might have some time to like message some folks and give them some info. And others are like, I can totally like space off some time to take um, hunters out on actual hunts. So people like you, absolutely. I mean, we'll, we'll take you any day. All right. I'm in. I will just, be hey, it. since you don't have a permanent residence, we could just put you in every state and just like <laughs> cross off all the states. <laughs> just cross off all the states. Whatever yeah. the last state is, just for me, is yeah. that one. I'll count as the 50th state. That's very cool. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I'll make a pitch for you guys too. It's, <laughs> I never made a pitch for someone who came on the podcast, but I do feel like like mentorship, you know, for folks that uh, like myself tend to be more reserved and like, should I, you know, should I do this? Do I really want to mess with my time. I do feel like there's two things that happen, right? One is that you learn more than you ever, ever would. Right. I think, uh, like when you talk to Josh, you, you get the thousands of questions that you would never think of. Right. And it's when anyone approaches something you've been doing for even with me, not super long, only about 10 years, right. Some guys have been doing this 50, 60, they think about it in a different way. Right. And, um, it just changes the way you think about it. And I, I've learned so much more from him. So that's a huge one. And then two, I feel like it does just stoke that fire, you know, like it just gets you so fired up again to see someone else that excited about hunting. Cause we all remember the first few times we did something, you're just like shaking to get out there, you know, the first morning, cause you're just so excited. So I, I feel like, uh, there's probably some folks listening to this that we've talked to and are pretty experienced. We get kind of both groups. We get new hunters and experienced guys, but if you're on the fence, I'd, I'd make the pitch. Cause it, uh, like Josh said, even if you're just you know, answering messages, you're a profound impact um, on yeah. someone's life. Definitely. Yeah. So cool. Very cool. Um, so this fall, are you accepting applications right now for new hunters? Yep. Uh, if you're a new hunter, go on, go to the newhunter.org, find us at Nebraska, um, Thompson and I, and there's contact information there and send us a message um, or a video there uh, at our email. And yeah, we're going to, we haven't, we haven't like set up an actual, like an end date for it yet. We'll probably, we'll probably let people know this week when we're going to stop accepting applications, but yeah, we're going to be doing, um, several different whitetail hunts. We're going to do some small game hunts. We're going to do an upland hunt. So we're kind of switching our vibe here oh, um, nice. a little bit from last year. We're going to do like pheasants and like some squirrels, stuff like that, some smaller game. Um, but also that big Western game, um, hunt later in the year too so yeah several different things we're also um are we have if people listen to the last podcast you probably know but thomas and i we have uh, some family property down in kansas and our brother-in-law tommy bardsley he is technically a pretty new hunter last year was like his first year ever and he was one of the hunters that went on our elk hunt mm-hmm. but um him and i we hunted five days straight and i'm not sure if we saw an elk or not like it was a grind, total grind. Um, but, um, 
he, we had him apply for a Kansas tag down there. So he drew a Kansas 80 deer tag. Um, so we're going to be spending some time with him down there in September too. So hopefully he can, he can shoot a good one. So, yeah. Very cool. So interesting that, uh, approach the second season, the second year, taking out new hunters last season, it was all big game pretty much. And then you did Turkey this spring. What made you bring in the small game, the waterfowl? Did you feel like it was more approachable for new hunters or what were some of the yeah thoughts behind that? Uh, Thomas, do you want to take this one a little bit? Yeah, I'd say it's, it's definitely more approachable. Um, shooting a shotgun, you can get pretty comfortable. A lot of, like a lot of people who haven't even been hunting have usually shot a shotgun. Um, and it allows us to get a couple more people. Um, it allows us to say yes to a couple more people I'd say, um, compared to like big game hunts. Um, yeah, I, I think we just have, we have a really busy fall. We want to be able to like kind of extend this like at, like into the new year. Um, being that you can, most pheasant seasons, um, like go until at least the end of January, sometimes February in some States. So yeah, it just kind of extends the amount of time we can have with, with new hunters. So that's kind of cost effective, I would say too. Yeah. And it was hard. It's hard to find, um, new hunters like you, Josh, that like know archery really well, but haven't ever hunted. So like, honestly, like big game archery hunts besides like whitetail with crossbows are kind of out of the picture unless like we get a special case. So, um, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. It seems like it would be a lot more approachable and you'd be able to take out more hunters in less time. Um, and if that's the goal, then it looks like, it sounds like you guys are making the, uh, the right moves there. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, how about, uh, Kansas 80, what's going on there? That's oh, the, man. yeah. Like I see your pictures all the time and it's crazy just anticipating this fall, but mm-hmm. what's the, what's the status? Yeah. There's, there's so much work that goes into it. Uh, right now, right now is just like letting the food plots, letting the food plots grow. We've got, um, three acre, like a food plot field on the West side of our property. Um, the Kansas city, so it's 80 acres, like pretty much just thick timber, um, Northeast Kansas, but we do have one, uh, larger food plot on the West side. It's like three acres this year. We actually split it up half corn, half beans, so like acre and a half of each. Um, but right now we're basically, we've got trail cameras out there and just letting them soak, hoping to have some, uh, big bucks moving around. We've got a few, um, especially one that's gotten us pretty excited the last few weeks. Um, but yeah, right now we're basically just staying off the property. We set our trail cameras like a month ago, our food plots are in and right now we're just like letting the pressure off of it. And we're going to, we'll go in there and hang stands in probably August sometime, but yeah, we I mean, this, this off season was the most, uh, hands-on management season we have ever had. Thomas, do you want to take some management stuff we kind of did? Yeah. I'll just first say like, it's a different year. It feels like a different year than other years. Like last year, we obviously had, um, we were chasing a giant, like he would, he broke off, but when he got shot by a neighbor, he went like 191. So he, he was over 200 inches at one point. Um, we were chasing him last year. And then the year before that, we had like a 180 inch buck this year. Like, we just don't know who's going to step up. Like last year, a lot of big bucks were shot around us. Um, Spencer Newharth came to our 80 and shot club. He was a super cool, like 15, 16 point buck. Um, but yeah, management wise, like we just, we worked the timber hard, um, cutting and girdling trees. Um, for those who don't know, girdling, like you basically 
um, take the chainsaw and wrap it. Like you just cut like a circumference around the trunk, um, about an inch and a half in, um, which kills like, like basically like you, like you can call it like the sapwood basically that provides the nutrients into the tree. And then you just spray it, um, with, a with basically a chemical that'll, uh, basically travel up to the like leaves and kill it. Um, so we girdled and cut at least probably close to 75 trees, like around the 80, but some in like just really good bedding spots. Like the fact that it's all timber just makes it hard to really know like where deer are bedding. So we're trying to really make those spots more specific. Um, of course we like worked our food plots more, um, our clover plot. Uh, we've got like three clover plots now, um, that we feel really good about. I don't know, like management wise, we feel like amazing. It's just weird not having like a giant big buck that we know is going to be around this fall. I mean, I'm sure we can expect like a, a 150, 160, um, ballpark. We know we had one big giant eight that we found the sheds off of that will be a awesome mature buck, but yeah we don't really know who's going to show up. Yeah. Super interesting. Wow. You guys really do like all kinds of hunting. Um, Mm -hmm. What do you think you learned from managing the Kansas 80 that applies to the DIY or the Western style big game hunts? And then Mm -hmm. is there any learnings you get from the Western style public land, big big game hunts that go back to the Kansas 80? You know, I think animals are animals and they, they move similar, whether it's at the Kansas city or way out West. Um, just like, even though it's a, like a private property that like we've, um, owned for a few years now, I'm still like catching myself looking at the topo map and just like, how would deer run this? Like if, if I came across this chunk out West, like how would I hunt it kind of thing like that. Hmm. And it's, it's really similar. Um, I think, I mean, a huge major difference of course, is that we can manage this and have these food sources. I mean, that is like just gigantic. And I mean, it, it makes the hunting obviously better. Um, but yeah, the, the crossovers, I feel like we get like, sometimes we get that occasional comment of man, hunting private land is so much easier than, than public. And I'm like, yes, to a certain degree it is, but also I've had hunts on public that are way better than weeks on the Kansas city for sure. So it's like, I, I, I think it's like, it, it's a give or take. I mean, that, that 80 ground, we have 80 acres. We have to stick to the 80 acres on, I mean, pieces of public, man, the, the stuff we were hunting out West Josh in Nebraska, I mean, we had what, 150,000 acres. So it's like, Hey, if you don't see anything within a few miles here, let's just go move over here and try these couple miles, you know? So it's like, yeah, there's, there's certain things that are definitely easier, but also certain things that are harder. Um, I think, uh, one similarity is, um, you gotta be good with your weapon. <laughs> like I would say, I would say that, I mean, whether you're hunting the 80 or out West, I mean, you're not going to kill anything if you can't shoot straight. So, um, I don't know, Thomas, what, what would you say? Yeah, I was trying to think, um, it's really taught us how to hunt, like how to think with the mindset of like a really small property. Um, so maybe we hunt bigger tracks, like with the mindset that it's smaller, which I think helps us in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, we just assume everything is going to smell us. Um, if we have the wrong wind, you know, like 80 acres, it's a quarter mile by half a mile. So it's not a lot of, I mean, the fact that it's timbered, like makes it feel a lot bigger than that. But yeah, I, I think there are certain things that definitely cross over and can relate. I've also really, I think managing it has really made me become closer with the, uh, 
the plant and like trees on the ground. Like I know like my plant and tree knowledge and stuff, it just boomed since being a landowner. Cause I want to know what's on the property. And it also helps me with like deer food sources, um, recognizing certain plants that deer like, and like I'm, I'm way, I'm looking for browse way more and I'm looking for certain types of trees to throw a stand in or to hunt by and stuff like that. So I think that's been also a huge thing. Yeah. Man, that's interesting. That's a whole world that I don't know much about. But um, on your YouTube channel, though, you can see if people are interested in learning more about the management, like land management and Eastern style, like hunts, whitetail or private land. Like, do you have instructional stuff on the YouTube channel or what, what, what can they go there looking for? Yeah. I mean, we have we have successful hunts that we've had on 80, but we also like the majority of our episodes are all management. Um, so, and we've got like short little videos, um, some chainsaw work and different things, but we try to go in depth. Like Nate and I are still learning quite a bit of the management side. We, we don't have the equipment to do any of the farming ourselves. Um, we have a, a friend that helps us and, and it helps explain to us what he's doing, which is really nice. Um, but yeah, like everything that we, you can basically watch how our mind works. Um, with this is, we're now in our third season of the Kansas 80. Um, it'll be our third fall there. So we're already, we have one or two, two episodes dropped, I think, um, of season three. So you can, um, find them there. Very cool. Um, and then one other topic that we were talking about before we started recording was this thing called 2% certified. And I was like, okay, no, don't tell me anymore. We can talk about that on the <laughs> podcast. Uh, what, what's 2% certified mean? So, uh, it's basically a company that, um, gives you like a certification. It's it's called 2% because these companies give 1% of their um, time, 1% of their money to conservation. So it basically like certifies different companies. We became the, this spring, we became the first Nebraska company that's 2% certified. Um, we're, we, we're basically doing uh, everything like with new hunters um, that we needed. So we were like, Hey, let's just might as well become 2% certified. So um, if, I guess if you have a brand, you can do it business-wise or individually. Um, hmm. if you give, I think like, uh, 1% of your time is like 20 some hours uh, a year, um, or something that comes out to something like that. So yeah, it's pretty simple to get 2% certified, but you can just, you can like basically Google and they also have, uh, Instagram and, and things like that. If you're interested. Interesting. Is that a, like a, is that like a government, uh, program thing or like a charity nonprofit Thing or like a, I'm pretty sure they, they run nonprofit. Um, but they're just like a, I don't know how many years they've been going for. They're pretty fresh. I, I would, I might be wrong, but like less than three to five years, I feel like. Um, but yeah, just kind of a, a cool idea they had to certify brands. It, it, it's kind of cool. Cause I see, um, different companies that are 2% and you can just kind of know like how they hold their self, like what's mm -hmm. important to them. Um, and it's kind of nice. Like you can look at all the different brands that are 2% certified. And if you're somebody who kind of wants to support those brands compared to others that aren't, um, I don't know, it's something to check out. Right. Right. That's smart. Um, man, you guys are just, <laughs> all of you are like you Baxter. I, I don't know if it's growing up in a Christian environment or what, what it might be, but you guys are just very generous giving people like, where do you think that comes from? And like, how do you not burn out just constantly giving and giving and like balancing, taking care of yourself and like continue constantly just giving back to the community? 
Mm. Baxter, are you going to take that? <laughs> <laughs> but ben, I mean, I think you're across, you know, Josh, you mentioned your Christian religious background. I think that's, it's impossible to answer that question without going there. I don't really go there that often on the podcast. Um, but I think when you feel like you've been given everything, it's pretty easy to give a little bit away. Um, would be the short answer there. Um, where it's, you know, I think I've spent a lot of my life feeling like I was, I would, you need, even though I might've said it, I didn't feel like I've been given a ton, you know, and you get humbled and you realize just how much, uh, how everything in life is a gift. Um, so, uh, I think that's the short answer of it is that it's impossible, impossible for you to, f- I think it'd be impossible to give if you didn't feel that way, um, about, about, uh, about your life. Yeah, I think I, I think I just want to like I go about just want, like wanting to make an impact uh, with whatever I do, whether I mean it's on the conservation front or it's man getting some getting some new hunters out there um, to start a new life journey of of hunting for their own meat and stuff like that. I just want to have that impact and um, hope hopefully a positive one. Yeah, and um, you guys hunt a bit in the fall too and i mean they and i tracked close to 70 days last fall you know like why can't 20 or 30 of them be with some new hunters so um we're lucky enough to be able to do it um basically full time in the fall so um yeah it just when you've been given something like that um you just want to kind of be thankful for it and spread the spread the love a little bit it's crazy. I think I said this last time on the podcast, but um, man, you guys are the hunting, the future of the hunting industry. I really hope like this kind of hunting spirit, like this kind of tradition continues to thrive in this industry, in this like pursuit. Um, if I were to end on one question, I, I'd want to ask, you know, you've seen a lot of new hunters now, you've taken a lot of new hunters out now. What do you think it is that people are looking for when they get into hunting and what do they leave with when they head home? Good question, Josh. <laughs> yeah, bro. Whoever wants to take it first. <laughs> and you know, I think I really do think like a new hunter isn't looking for the success of a kill. I mean, I'm sure there's a handful of them that are, but I think a lot of them are just like going out to just like try a new venture. Um I think that's part of it. I think some of them just like need to get away. Um, just the time outdoors, I think is like one of the most impactful things that, that new hunters I think are looking for. Uh, people that are like wanting to experience that. I think um, at least a lot of the folks that we talked to, like it used to be a thing they did. And I like, after like having some years of like growing up, I think something triggers within them to where they're like, wow, I want to do that again. And I'm not sure what it is. (laughs) Like, I really don't know what it is. Um, Whether there's like a good experience that you're thinking about or just like time outdoors. I mean, I don't think anybody comes home from a hunt, whether they got something or not. And was like, wow, that was extremely stressful. I didn't enjoy that at all. (laughs) Like, I think it's just like such an enjoyable activity, just going outdoors and just spending time. Um, And so I think, 
I think that's the basic thing. I, I don't think it could be like really any more complicated than that. Um, I think after a while it, it becomes like, let me hone my craft and actually find some success out there. But I think it's just that initial like little craving right off the bat. Yeah. I'll say like, I think it starts out as a need, like they need somebody to help them get out there just because the, it just seems like such a big thing to take on themselves. Um, and they leave like with it being a want, like they just want to be, um, out there or they want to even be with somebody else hunting. Um, I don't know. We've seen like so many people that just, um, you, you, it's kind of hard to get the vibe off of them, like, uh, right away on the trip, but like you like end it knowing like that, that's like, this is just like something they needed, like on their step, like on their way to becoming like a, a better hunter where they have the confidence to be able to do it themselves. I think we're just, our, our role is just basically building them up, getting them a little bit closer to having the confidence to do it themselves. Wow. Baxter, how about you? I'm going to turn this into a round table interview. What do you think people get into hunting for and what do they leave with when they head home? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons, but, uh, I think the folks that I've, that I've met like you that are really interested in it, they've got, they're trying to pursue something. You know, I think that's a pretty consistent denominator across a lot of things in life is you're going to love a pursuit or they're, um, and I, I actually don't know if that's often the animal itself or it's time in the outdoors or it's the meat or whatever it is. I think they've, they've got an idea of what, um, what pursuit is and they just, they, they want to fulfill that. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think for me, at least, uh, you know, I can't speak to too many because it's mainly been you I mentioned for hunting, you've done it for other sports. So I'm leaning a bit on that, but uh, I feel like when they get away from it, they just realize that the, the end isn't necessarily the thing that satisfies, you know, I think that's a really cool learning and hunting for me, especially too, where it's, uh, it's just the, be in there. Um, and the art, like the, the way that you go about it, that's really enjoyable versus just getting, you know, whatever you thought you were going to get out of it. Um, you're trying to pursue the art of the pursuit is the fun part. So I think that's a, that's a cool, cool thing that you feel. I feel like when you talk to any hunter that's really into it, they kind of, they really love that, that aspect, the art of the pursuit, right. Versus the, I got this thing on my wall or whatever. it is. I, uh, if I could interject, which by the way, when I'm done with this, Josh, I'm going to ask you why you got into hunting. So just prep yourself there. But I, um, you know, with the hunters we took out this last year, um, man, some of them COVID scared the crap out of them. And they're like, I saw the grocery stores emptying and I need to know how to, how to kill something and eat. And like seeing that like reality was really interesting. So that was one reason. Um, other reasons, man. I feel like others were just like, Hey, I need a new activity. And I've seen this. I've, I've had, I've had other friends do it, but I just need to like try this for myself. Um, and so, yeah, but there are a bunch of other, I mean, we had, we had like a, a vegetarian that was like, the only meat I'm going to eat is going to be from something I kill. Um, wow. we had other people of just like, I don't know. I, I uh, an aspect was just like getting outside. I need to break from the work from the day to day. Um, so yeah, there's, there's so many, there's so many reasons why people want to do it in this day and age. I think, I think with how busy the world is and it's just only getting busier that this whole like disconnection thing is going to be the bomb. And I think it's going to like take off like wildfire. Really. I think about, man, I asked, I asked my wife sometimes, like she didn't grow up in a family that hunted, but her, 
one of her friends, um, her friends, like dad and brother would always go out and she'd like see them loading up for a trip. And she always remembers this like desire to like want to join. And I'm like, you've never, you never went hunting. Like you didn't even know, like, what? why, why did you have that like weird desire to like go hunting or like just go out there? And I think part of it's just an adventure. Like you see these people like just like packing up and like heading out to some random location where they probably won't have cell coverage. And I think, I don't know. I think that's a huge part, just the adventure side. But um, what, Josh, what, why, why did you, why did you dabble? Yeah. <laughs> now I'm super deep into it. Uh, but, um, oh man, I think reason why is part of it is fascination with like how we've evolved as humans. I think, you know, hunting was the first pursuit that we've come from like generationally. Uh, and I think there's some satisfaction in there with like, just feeling like you're living in accordance with how we were designed, like living in accordance with nature, uh, the pursuit, the adventure, everything you mentioned is a big part of it. And I think that's why I wanted to get into hunting. Um, but I think what I left with was a lot more than that. It was a lot more than adventure. It was about who you become in the process when you pursue something difficult. And, uh, I'll end with a really cheesy quote. And someone said, uh, the purpose of a goal is not to achieve the goal. But the purpose of a goal is to like become the person capable of achieving that goal, or it's about the process of trying to achieve the goal. Not even like nothing to do with the goal, just who you become in the process of trying to achieve that goal is the deeper purpose of even having one. And so I like the kind of person I'm becoming as I pursue hunting. It's making me healthier. I think it's making me a little wiser. Deal, uh, you spend a lot of time by yourself out there, you know, in the elements, and uh, it's it's a fun process thankful to have all of you uh, in the front row seats as I'm on the journey. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. And with that, we will end and I will have to uh, reach back out to you guys about signing up on newhunter.org. Actually, I'll just fill out the contact form and I'll have to talk to you, uh, Nate, and get interviewed, <laughs> make sure yeah. I'm all good. And then uh, we got to do another round after the fall and uh, hear some more stories. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Thanks for having us on Josh. I mean, we love talking, um, all things, new hunter mentoring can 80. So yeah, kindred spirits for sure. And, uh, hoping to continue to build this in the, uh, in the, uh, industry. Hey, so thanks guys. Yeah. And when you're coming through, you got to stop through Kansas and we'll, we'll give you a tour of the 80. Seriously. You got to hit us up. You're going to be in the area. Oh man, I'm looking up at the calendar right now. <laughs> I'll have to figure it out. I am driving from New York all the way back to Idaho. So I got to figure something out. There you go. Yeah, cool. Sweet. Thanks for the invite. Yep. Talk to you guys soon.